Hey everybody, welcome back to Negro Please Radio. I'm your host, Chris Allen, and as usual, off the top, I want to take the time out to thank each and every last one of you for tuning in, downloading, streaming. However you take my podcast, I appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, do not forget to like and subscribe. Hit that button. Um, man, a lot to talk about this week, so let me just jump right in. For those who don't know, we have a 10-year-old son. His name is Miles, and I like to talk about the different things that are going on in his life. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's nothing. And uh, this week, not much of anything. He's on spring break. Uh, we're hanging out. We're playing games, and uh, he's having a good time. He's actually at a friend's house right now playing games. Uh, there's nothing like that as a kid, going to your friend's house and playing video games, eating snacks and stuff. So... Uh, I kind of got the house to myself for a couple hours, and I was like, hey, it's Friday. I got to knock this out. Let's just get it done. But he's had a great spring break. Um, they were going to go to Ohio with me last weekend, but some some things came up, and they ended up staying here. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to talk about my entire weekend in Columbus and Cincinnati and a couple of news topics. So let's get right into it. Um the first thing I want to talk about, it kind of touches on what we talked about or what I talked about last week. Um, last week, I, I, I talked about the story, the story with Kyrie Irving, you know, having some people removed from a game. I think eventually he ended up coming back in the game. But my issue is with people talking shit to, to professional athletes, talking shit to NBA players, um, NHL players. And, and I'm sorry, NFL players. I don't really know much of, about the NHL, so I can't speak to that. But uh, so last week, I'll talk about this. And it's just funny to me because last week, all these people were talking about how soft professional athletes are. They're, they're not tough anymore. They're overly sensitive. You can't say anything to them. Um, they're a bunch of babies. They're all entitled. And they just can't handle any criticism at all. Now, I don't know if y'all watched the LSU-Iowa uh, NCAA championship last weekend. But, look, I knew it was going to be an ass-whooping. Um, LSU is a predominantly black team. Iowa is a predominantly white team. And it kind of shaped up to be like this kind of old-school 1950s black versus white. Even though, like, it's 2023, but that's just how it, it, it shaped up to be, all right? People kind of saw it as, like, a little bit of payback for all these these times where, like, the black teams weren't able to uh, compete against certain white teams, you know? Just just all the bullshit black people had to put up with. And, and I think people saw this as, like, yep, it's 2023. Here you go. You got this white team from Iowa. We got these black chicks from Louisiana. It's going down Finally, we about to show y'all what the fuck we do. And it went down exactly how I thought it would. LSU beat the shit out of Iowa. Now, the backstory is you had this Clay, Caitlin Clark, Clark woman, phenomenal athlete, generational player. Uh, she had two forty. She had two back-to-back 40-point games, right? That's dope. You do it in a tournament, big stage. It can help out your career. Uh, as a professional, you put your name out there on a, on a big national stage. You be, you can become this big star. And, hey, that's dope. I love seeing that. I love sports. I love people talking shit. I love to see I love to see dominant players dominate. I love to see uh, somebody being seen as a villain. I love seeing people shut down an entire arena. I love I love that shit. I'm all about talking shit. I think it's part of sports. It, it, it's what makes sports great to me. I'm sorry. I love shit talking. So she goes on her run. She's doing face palms. She's talking shit. She's telling people to shut up, look at the scoreboard, you know, just do it, doing the most. She out here clowning, out here clowning. And the white media love that shit. They love to see it. Calling her a white queen. They were praising her. Nobody even really said that she was cocky or anything, anything like that. And I thought it was weird. I go, damn, nobody's really talking shit. Because to be honest, I don't really keep up with a lot of sports anymore, and especially women's sport. I, I just I just don't. I, I do watch from time to time, but I, I don't keep up with it. But 
this started to grab my attention. It's the national championship game. And I go, oh, they got this, uh, this other woman, Angel Reese. Now, Angel Reese is the complete opposite. She's from Baltimore. She got the long weave. She got the uh, she got the eyelashes. She just she just has the the young hip hop black woman look. And let's be honest, that scares white people. Okay, I, I came up going to private schools. I know they get very scared and intimidated. Now I'm not talking scared like sh- like literally shaking in their boots. They get intimidated. They get in their own head because. That's just too black for them. And, and, and there's this thing of, with them, too black. They feel like, oh, we can't beat them. They're too black. Look, I know what it's like. I know what it's like. When I was in high school, we were in the City Catholic League, right? Which means we played against all the public city schools, all black schools. And you have this small private school, predominantly white, about a 1,000 students, now your athlete your athlete pool not that big. Every once in a while, yeah, we we got some athletes in there, but for the most part, man, our basketball team was god awful. Awful. I mean, we would play the city teams and we would lose by 30, 40 points a game. I mean, it was just it was just it was crazy. It was <laughs> it, it was it was weird being on the other side of that. Like being the black dude on the white team and it's just like, well, this is the high school I'm supposed to go to because it's my neighborhood. And you recognize people, and they're like, oh, you, this is where you go to school? You're like, yeah. And it's like, oh, you going to get in the game? Uh, I hope not, because I don't feel like getting dunked on for the next, what was it, uh, 32 minutes. I think it's eight-minute quarters in high school, or at least it was. So I know what they get afraid of, what makes them, what makes them nervous. And a team like LSU – where you got these black women with the long with the long hair, the eyelashes, sometimes the nails if they ain't playing, you know, they get intimidated. They get scared. And I knew it was going to happen. I go this white girl is talking a lot of shit. It is going to backfire. And sure enough, LSU wins and Angel Reese start clowning. She's doing the, she's pointing at the ring. She's doing the face palm thing. And all of a sudden, white America gets all upset, talking about this is poor sportsmanship. I can't believe this. One dude, Keith Oberman, even, I want to call, I want to say he called her a piece of shit. This is an old ass white dude. Dave Portnoy, Mr. Mr. Uh, Non-PC himself over at Barstool Sports. Didn't like it. That shit really gets under white dude's skin when they see black people clowning. They hate that shit. But when it's them clowning, it's fun. It's all about competition. It's all about, hey, if you don't like it, stop them. If you don't, if you don't like me doing the gritty, when I beat you by 20, guess what? Maybe you should win. Stop being a fucking loser. Hey, he won. She won. They won. They can do what they want to do. If you don't like it, Get out the league. Stop being such a bitch. But when the shoe is on the other foot, it's a different story. It's all about sportsmanship. It's all about having respect for the game. And that's the thing. When you're a black athlete, you have to win and lose the right way. You can't make white people uh, feel bad in sports. Because then they'll start writing articles about you. And then they'll try to start ruining your fucking draft status. All right, your ability to go pro. It's just it's just this weird streak of jealousy in some of these people, man. And I'm not saying it's everybody. It's just a certain group of people in the sports world. They love they love the Jake Pauls. They love the Conor McGregor's. They love to see Caitlin Clark doing her thing, the face palm. But when the shoe is on the other foot and we win, we have to act like we've been there. You see how people act about athletes celebrating touchdowns and or you dunk on somebody or something like that. Oh, why can't he just get up and hand the ball to the referee? Act like you've been there. Why do you got to be unprofessional? Why you got to act like you got to act like an amateur? You know, you, you contest calls too much. You're entitled. You're a diva. You cry too much. Y'all know, y'all know exactly what this is. In everybody's mind, this was set up like some 1950s shit. They see the little white girls from Iowa and they think, oh, dad works on the farm, brother's in the army, and there's little Caitlin practicing her jump shot. 
you know, on the side of a barn. Grandma's helping mom make a make a pie. Grandpa's down at the old Johnson farm help mending a fence. And they might go into town to have a uh, get a milkshake later. You know, it's Iowa, 1950. <laughs> That's what they think. They think this shit is Hoosiers. They want they want to paint this 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 storybook, you know, win where these these little simple country white girls from Iowa who worked hard they didn't have any 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 like uh, sophisticated equipment it was nothing but mic and drills and push ups and people trying hard and you know just uh, the dad showing up in his Carhartt fucking jacket <laughs> at practice wondering why Allie's not getting any more playing time. Uh, it's, just, it's just they this this fantasy world that they that these people live in and i'm so glad they called they called it out the moment the the press started to shit on angel reese everybody was like yo what about this this was this was last week and of course it's always different well she didn't really go across the court well she only did it for like two seconds she did it for four seconds well, I mean, if she, why can't she just win and, and 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 be a champion and and just and just act like she's been there? You got grown men calling twenty twenty one year old women pieces of shit, grown ass men, millionaires, people who have been in this industry for decades. All of a sudden, they can't take it. These these are the same people calling athletes weak, entitled divas, can't take any criticism at all. Same people four or five days later. Now, oh, Caitlin, that's, that's so rude. How can you do that to her? This is mean. We need to have more respect for the game. What was the respect for the game when she was doing all her shit? We, all, we already know what this is. You see the people y'all put on, put on pedestals, the Trumps, the Jake Pauls, the Conor McGregors. All these shit talkers. That's why you like them because they speak their mind. They don't care what anybody has to say. But the moment the people that the moment that people who don't look like you are unapologetic, I can't even say it. Unapologetic. I can't even say it. Unapologetically themselves. God damn it! I can't even talk shit without messing up. Unapologetic. I can't say it. Unapologetically. There you go. They don't like the shit. When the shoe was on, on the other foot, they do not like it. I got to clip that shit out. I can't even say unapologetically. That's a hard word to say for me. But, yeah, that's what's so funny about people being their uh, their unapologetic self. When everybody does it, it's just everybody. It's just a bunch of assholes. You know, you can't give a fuck, and he can't give a fuck. And if he don't give a fuck, and they don't give a fuck, Nobody gives a fuck and everybody's doing what they want to do. Look, I, I understand what that means, but I think a lot of times we do take the shit too fucking far, but I think within the confines of the court, the field, the pitch, whatever you want to call it. I love people talking shit. And this is what makes it even better in the end. The fact that Caitlin Clark was just like, yo, y'all need to chill out. Like I'm not mad at her for talking shit. I was talking shit. She won. I lost. She was. She talked shit to me. That's the game. That shit in every discussion right then and there. You got somebody who is a generational player, a dope-ass player, who's likely going to go pro and be dope in the pros. Same with Angel Reese. Going to go pro, going to be dope in the pros. Let them talk shit because in the long run, that could just recreate a rival that, date back, that dates back to now. I would love to see that shit. In 10 years, Angel Reese and Caitlin uh, Clark going at it for a WNBA championship, knowing that like 10, 11 years ago, they had beef in the national championship game when they were in college. To me, that adds more shit to the game. That adds more stakes. I'm, I'm all for it. And who knows? They can end up on the same team. That makes it even a cooler story. But I would definitely love to see you know, a, a, I don't know if they have a five-game series, seven-game series. Game five or game seven, Angel Reese versus Caitlin Clark. I mean, come on. Step back three, boom. Caitlin Clark in the New York Liberty win over Jazz, over Angel Reese. Come on, man. That'd be a dope story. 
The following season, Asia Reese get payback. That's great. That's great. It's just it's just funny watching these people just flip flop. I mean, just that quickly, just flip flop, just flip flop. And this leads me to my next story talking about flip floppers. Donald Trump turned himself in last Tuesday to the authorities in New York City. And um, it's just funny just watching this shit come kind of full circle to watch this guy who had his entire fan base uh, yelling locker up during his campaign run, you know, threatening to lock up his uh, his uh, political opponent. Had no issues with that at all. It was completely fine. Just words. Now, look, this guy has, has talked so much shit about so many people and done so much fucked up shit that people are on his ass. And I will say, I feel like this is a weak ass case. I know nothing about the law, but just reading what I've read and, and seeing these reports and stuff, this seems like a pretty weak case especially compared to all the other shit that this guy has done. This is nothing. This is nothing at all. I feel like this dude, uh, Bragg, I feel like he's really just, he's throwing it out there. If something sticks, it sticks. And that's the thing about our system. They can indict this man, but if they acquit it, acquit him or find him not guilty, he's not guilty. But I've said this before. I see what he's doing. He's getting people riled up about this now. So when the real shit goes, they don't even give a fuck what it's about. All they know is that they're really, really mad. And anything could go at that point, especially when it comes time for that Georgia case, like that real shit. I think if he keeps riling people up, man, it's, it's just, there's no telling what's going to happen with that guy. After his arraignment, the judge was like, hey, man, y'all need to tamp down the rhetoric, stop talking shit, but everybody. This dude flies back down to Georgia and has a news conference and talks shit about the judge immediately. Immediately. Same day. Like, man, fuck you. You could even see by the still pictures that Donald Trump was not used to being in the position that he was, that he was in. He, he couldn't leave. He couldn't run his mouth. There was nothing he could say. They even told him anything you say will be used against you. That guy's never had to ever had to practice any type of self-control in his life. And that was the first time. And you can see it was killing him to not say anything to that man, to that judge. And he couldn't wait. I mean, to be honest, he was Trump. He showed up on some rapper gangster shit. This motherfucker flies in private, stays in his own fucking, not even a mansion, in his own high-rise building with Secret Service, drives there, doesn't even go the way everybody else goes, doesn't get handcuffed, no cameras in the courtroom, blows the just judge off, gets back into his motorcade, drives to the airport, and jumps on a full-size jet with his fucking name on it and goes to Florida. If that's not some mob boss rapper shit, I don't know what is. That motherfucker flew in, flew out. And what makes it even crazier is they gave this man the option to do a Zoom arraignment. He was like, nah, fuck that. I'm going. I'm going. And I think he's made about, what, seven, eight, almost $10 million off this shit. This shit's crazy. This shit is crazy. But I, I just love watching his, his supporters talk about how unfair this is. Look, you fuck with the government. I was in the military for 20 years. You fuck with the government enough, they're going to fuck with you. Like, when I was a young airman, if we did room inspections, right, and say some of the NCOs didn't really fuck with you because you were, you know, a loudmouth NCO. I mean, a loudmouth airman, you talking shit, right? They go to your room. They see the bed's not made. Guess what? They're going to dig in a little bit deeper. Oh, this is Airman Johnson's room? I don't like that motherfucker anyway. I see he doesn't have hospital corners in his bed. Guess what? I'm going through his wall locker. I'm doing the white glove inspection. I'm going to check his tub. I'm going to check his sink. I'm going to check everything. That's what they do. I had a homie. They did not like this man. They couldn't get him on anything. They went and looked at a leave form and go, oh, pff, 
This address, he doesn't even live there anymore. This is falsifying a government document. And look, I'm not saying that he didn't falsify a government document, but nobody really checks the addresses on those. It's just like, you know what? I have to give you an example. When you fill out your leave form, you got to let them know where you're going. And sometimes you just don't really want to know. I live here in Virginia. If I want to go, you know what? I'm just taking leave. I will put my home address on there. But say I went to D.C. and I was actually staying at my boy's house. Now, technically... I would have to put my man's address on there up in D.C. But it's just like it's within the radius. I don't technically need to be on leave, but I don't want to go to work the next day. So I just I just it's not out the radius. So I put my own address on there. Is that wrong? Technically, yeah. But people do it all the time. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just going about an hour, hour and a half away. Uh, you don't need all this other information of where I'm going exactly. I'm putting my home address completely fine. But. If they know this and they don't like you, they can use it against you. And that's what they're doing with this shit. No one said he didn't do what he did. No one's no one's saying he did not do what he did. We all know he paid this bitch. But you fucked the paperwork up and you talk shit about the wrong people. Now, guess what? Now we're going to get you on said paperwork. That's how the shit works. People don't like him. You can't yell, lock her up. You can't yell, drain the swamp. And then when you get caught up in the whirlpool, you want to complain about how this ain't fucking fair. You 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 basically started this whole thing. Started the whole thing. Now you get caught up in your own shit. Now all of a sudden, uh, this ain't right. We 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 can't we can't weaponize our government. This is what you've been planning on doing. That's just so funny. I've said this before, man. Yeah, Republicans, man, y'all come up with these plans. The shit backfires. You get caught up in it, and all of a sudden, it's just like, it's it's not fair. And it's just like, you wrote these fucking rules. This is what you wanted. You wanted it to own the libs, and then you got caught up in your own shit, and now you're upset. It's like the guy, I want to say, is is it Utah? I can't remember what state it's in, but some uh, some state official authored some bill to give parents the right to um, basically, hey, uh, to go, hey, I don't like this book. I think it's pornographic. I think it's this. I think it's pushing this agenda. I don't want that book in school. It got to the point where someone was like, you know what? I don't think they should have the Bible in school. And based on the own, on the on his own law that he wrote, the book that he was trying to preserve or push or trying to single out that he, you know, he's some Bible thumping dude. They ended up getting rid of the Bible because of this guy, his own words. And now he's pissed. Happens all the time. You try to go, you try to go out and own other people and end up owning yourself and look like a goddamn dummy. So I don't think that Trump is going to go to jail for this. Uh, I don't, I don't know how far it's going to go. I, I, I don't really think it's a, a serious case. But uh, it, it was a wild thing seeing the president of the United States uh, turn himself turn himself in uh, to see on the screen that the president had been arrested. It's just weird. It was a weird day. And uh, yeah, was it a dark day for America? It's not good. But if we if we don't want corruption, no one can be above the law. And right now, this guy is running for office just so the law doesn't cut, catch up with them. And the thing is. You just you just gotta stop. <laughs> you should have stopped when you, you you had you had it. You 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 owned everybody. You were president for four years. You lost. Just go. Just just walk off into the sunset and call it a day. You know you could have had your rallies. You could even probably like uh, started Trump Town or some shit like that, where you can be the fucking mayor of little Trump Town until you die. That's that's what you could have did, my man. But no. Yeah, yeah, you had to push it, and I don't think you're gonna win in the long run. You might get off of this one or the next one, but eventually, your clock is gonna get hit zero. And I will say this: Mark my words. After all these trials, if Donald Trump doesn't go to jail, which he probably won't, I think he will get convicted in Georgia. But Biden, being the guy that he is, he will have to. He will have to pardon him, right? And after that, I think Trump. We'll have a TV show called Trump Court. He's been in court for so long that he's going to feel like he's a judge. And this is going to be him as a judge letting off shitty people left and right. I think, And I think it's going to be great. 
It's gonna be like an old school Judge Wapner style. It's gonna be it's gonna be a great show. It's gonna be funny. It's gonna be bigger than The Apprentice. It's gonna be Trump Court, and he's gonna be <laughs> the shittiest, funniest judge in America. So that's gonna be crazy, man. This guy's gonna go from the president to being a TV judge, like like Joe Mathis. Um, yeah. All right. So let me just jump in. And uh, man, I'm already at almost thirty minutes. Holy shit! All right. Um, so yeah, I just got back from Ohio. I did Columbus, Cincinnati, and then back to Columbus. So Friday, I drive out. It's like a six and a half hour drive. Not bad at all. Not a not a ton of traffic. Um, my family was gonna come. They didn't. So I was like, fuck it. I'm not spending a lot of money on a to- on a hotel. There's been many a weekends where it's just like didn't make much. I got to make sure my family's comfortable and uh, we just spring for the hotel. But not this time. This time I'm at a red roof Inn, right off the highway behind a rooster's chicken. And uh, it's exactly what you think of a red roof Inn. I like like part of the ceiling on the outside is torn up. I mean, it's there's just. It it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. I mean, you pull into this place, it looks like something off the set of The Last of Us. It's it's not great. The outside is is not pretty, man. It, it's it looks abandoned. But the rooms have been remodeled, so the rooms aren't bad. They're clean. Um, this sounds not good, but I will say I do not trust any hotel that has a white cleaning staff with sunken in cheeks. All right. Take your laptop with you that day. Cause <laughs> Meredith, she's going to sell that laptop. She's going to get her meth. I, I got, I, I gotta be, I do not, I do not trust hotels that have white cleaning staffs, especially in the Midwest. That's a, that is a sign that this place is a piece of shit. Well, you don't even have brown people working there. Okay. So when you see a white cleaning lady, get the fuck out that hotel. Because they already think they're better than you. And they're not going to clean your shit. (laughs) I know some people are so mad at me right now. But you got to admit, when you see a white cleaning lady, you're like, what the fuck did she do? She's cleaning hotel rooms. You've all done it, white people. You You see your people cleaning hotel rooms. And you're like, what the fuck did they do? And when I see it, I'm like, what the fuck did they do? I do not want them cleaning my room. I don't trust them. I'm sorry. It's a shitty hotel, man. (laughs) It's a shitty hotel. All right. Oh, and then what I really liked about this hotel is when I checked in, the lady, she had the nerve to tell me. She goes, hey, we have coffee and juice at 6 a.m. from 6 to 9 and I'm thinking like, there's no way I'm walking across this parking lot at 5.50 in the morning, pitch black. I'm not getting murdered out there to get a shitty cup of coffee. I could just go to Speedway down the street. Not going. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not walking through that, that lonely parking lot. All right. What's scary is when I checked into the hotel and turned the TV on, it was on the ID channel. It was on, uh, it was on some murder, some uh, serial killer murder series. I'm like, this is exactly what I want to see walking into this death trap of a hotel. All right. It's a, it's a murder trial for a serial killer. And I'm like, this is, this is set up for me to die right off the highway, Ohio roosters, chicken is truckers everywhere. Uh, it's just, it just, it did, it rubbed me the wrong way, but I pull into town. My boy, Adrian come Adrian Cosby. I've known him for years. Anytime I'm in Ohio, man, he always comes and kicks it with me. And, um, he came and picked me up and, uh, we head over to the first show and Friday night I'm doing some don't tell shows. Uh, don't tell comedy is like a comedy franchise. It's all over the country, different cities. They have like these secret secret locations. You find out, I want to say like the day of where the show is, but the first show is at this rich dude's house. And it looks like a small, like little machine shop or a small little factory that they turn into a factory is a big, I don't want to, I don't want to picture you to picture like this big ass, like factory building, but it's a small, smaller factory looking block building. It looks like it might've been a machine shop back in the day. 
you know, from the outside, not very impressive, but you go inside, it's completely remodeled. It's been gutted. I mean, all the modern furniture, the kitchen looks amazing. Big ass kitchen island upstairs. They have like this loft area with uh with just like a, a rowing machine, a bike, nice couches, really nice couches downstairs. Amazing artwork, some of the craziest art I've ever seen in my life. He's like one of these rich older white dudes, always wears black shirts, skinny jeans, weird European sneakers. He's got the, like the little faux hawk kind of going gray ball. Y'all seen this type of dude before. They wear like plastic frame glasses. Like You're like, is this dude bringing back young 27-year-old gay men to have sex with? Or is he fucking 19-year-old college girls? Or both. He kind of had that vibe. Cool Audi. Like a weird series you don't really see a lot of. Just a really, really cool spot. I had a lot of fun on that show, man. A lot of fun. Uh, met a couple comics. This dude, Ashton Womack from New York. I want to say he might write on The Daily Show or something like that. Another dude named um, Ralph Carrera, L.A. comic. Both very, very funny. Uh, Chris Toyloy was also on the show. Good dude. And another dude named Yale. Can't think of his last name, but um, he hosted the first show. Um. Fun show. So the second show was at this place. Uh, it's at a uh, optical shop. And my boy Dan Seabree, somebody that I've known when I was living in Ohio, he works there. He helped get the venue. Really cool backdrop. That's a sold-out show. Uh, Adrian takes me over there as well. We hang out, have another great show. And um, I think that night, it was a long day. I was pretty tired. I want to say it's around 1130. I go, hey, man, I'm ready to go back to the hotel. And guess what's near my hotel? A Steak and Shake. I fucking love Steak and Shake. Is it the best? No. It's just something about Steak and Shake that I love. Those little shoestring shoestring fries, the little mashed burger patty. Loved it. I got it two to three nights I was there. Uh, So good. If you've never had Steak and Shake, check it out. I don't know how far east or west or south or north it is. I just know... It's at least in Ohio. I guess I could look it up. Where are steak and shakes? Again, not the best, but uh, uh, for some reason I love it. Maybe because they're all open late is why I like it. And it's different than um McDonald's and shit. Steak and shake. Steak and shake restaurant chain. Where the fuck are they? Their milkshakes are good too. Shake and steak states. Oh, here it is. Okay, they're kind of, shit. They have 454 locations. They're kind of like, yeah, Ohio, Wisconsin, uh, Florida, some Tennessee, Texas, Louisiana. One in Pennsylvania. Yeah, one in Pennsylvania. Looks like there might be one in Mass somewhere. There's three in Virginia, but they're pretty spread out. But they they seem to be in like the Illinois, Ohio, Indiana. Um, what state is this? Is that Minnesota? That's not Minnesota. I don't know what state that is. Kentucky, a bunch in Georgia, a couple in California. Yeah, one in Nevada. And a, and a bunch in Florida. So, yeah, they have about 500 stores. 80 in Florida. So, if you've never been, check them out, man. Steak and Shake, I like them. If you fuck with Sonic, the uh, if you fuck with Sonic, you might fuck with, uh, you might fuck with uh, Steak and Shake. I like it a lot. The little steak burgers. But, uh, all right. <clears throat> So that's how my Friday ends. I do the two Don't Tell shows. They were fun. Hung out with, with some friends I hadn't seen in a while. And then Saturday, um, I have a couple things. To, one thing to do. The night before, I uh, finally link up with uh, James Godwin. He's a photographer uh, for Don't Tell. And he's new to, to comedy. He was like, hey, man, you should come by, get some shots. I got this new camera. So I'll go over to his place uh, on Saturday morning, get some new headshots. We talk, we chop it up for a while. He gives me uh, Rick Rubin's book, The Creative Act, The Way of Being. I got this right here. I'm really excited. 
to check this out, man. I'm a, I'm a, uh, a big fan of uh, Rick Rubin and, and what they what he did in the uh, hip hop game. So, uh, want to learn more about him and his process. So, uh, and I told myself I got to start reading more. So I, I got this, and um, when I retired, my old major gave me a um, Frederick Douglass biography that i need to get through i think i've I read about 50 or 60 pages of that but uh these are the two books the rick rubin joint and then the frederick douglas books are the two books that are going to be on my reading list right now this is some shit i i, uh, I gotta start doing uh is, is reading more um sorry you got dt turned himself in already did that shit now all right so this is saturday and I have two shows in Cincinnati with my man Wayne Mimmit. He runs Bombs Away Comedy, and I'm doing the Comet. And I want to, yeah, it's Cincinnati, real cool looking little neighborhood up on this hills. Just, just Cincinnati ha- has some real weird hipstery uh, areas, and this is one of them. Cincinnati is very, very weird. A lot of, lot of weird locations. They got these weird mountains and shit around them. And, like, some of these little mountain areas are really nice. And some of them are, like, nice slash abandoned, (laughs) if that makes sense. You'll see, like, these really nice old, like, brick houses, you know, like, big patios, double, uh, you know, two-family homes, sometimes three or four-family, huge homes. Really, really nice. And down the street, you'll see those same types of houses but just all boarded up, uh, overgrown. And then the next street over, those same houses again, but all immaculately taken care of. It's it's really, really weird. But, uh, yeah, Cincinnati is a, is a, is a weird town. It's a, it's a weird area, but um, sorry. So we're at the Comet. Both shows are fun. Uh, my boy Phil Pointer shows up. Hadn't seen him in a long time. I finally got to talk to him about some weird shit that happened online about three or four years ago. Like, uh, he told me the whole story, but long story short, somebody was joking around and they thought he had died. And then people started sharing this uh, R.I.P. Phil Pointer uh, poster. Apparently he made it and he didn't even realize how uh, big it had gotten. And like his family, he said his family was calling him. People were posting shit on his wall. It was was just a funny moment uh, (laughs) on social media. Uh, thinking that Phil was there, but it was it was just nice to see him and, and uh, congratulate him on his uh, special that came out, Phil Porner. To be honest, can't think of the name of it, but look up Phil Porner, comedian, uh, on uh, on YouTube, Spotify. You'll see his special on there. Check it out. Funny dude, cool dude. Um, Jarrell Beeman was on the show. I've, I've worked with Jarrell a couple of times, man. Funny dude. I had no idea this little motherfucker was only 21 years old. He's been doing comedy like five or six years, but he's real funny. He featured on that show. He was a real funny dude, man. I, I can't wait to work with him more, man. And I was just really shocked to know that he was that fucking young. That If he continues, that dude's going to be a beast, man. He's already super funny. I mean, to be 21 and to have that much experience already is is, is pretty pretty crazy. Uh, well, I'm pretty sure you have. Y'all heard of Matt Reif? Huge. Way bigger than me. Kind of the same deal. Started when he was really, really young. I think he might be uh, maybe 27 at the oldest now. And, I mean, his career is dope. All of his shows are sold out for the rest of the year. But uh, I think Jarrell could be on the same path. All right, enough about other people doing better than me. <laughs> so I go over to uh, James's place. I do the headshots. We chop it up. Have a good time. We're still waiting on those. I saw some preliminary shots. They look really, really good. I'm super excited. I like how these are uh, starting to turn out. So, it's a weird, uh, it's a weird day. So I, I get done with the photo shoot. Uh, Toyloy head comes over, and we end up hanging out for a bit, and then we drive over, drive down to uh, Cincinnati. And I met Toyloy, I want to say about two, three years ago, and we talk from time to time, man. But uh, it was one of these opportunities to actually really get to know another comic. He was like, Hey, I want to come down, see the show. I might be able to get a guest spot. And I remember being that guy. You just, you just want to go along. You just want to see what it's like to be on the road. So he tags along. I have no issue with that. Unfortunately, he was not able to get on, but, uh, he liked coming to the show. We talked about comedy. We talked about 
fatherhood. We talked about our parents' uh, upbringing. We just got to know each other more. We, we uh, drive back to Columbus. On the way back, though, I mentioned it earlier, we hit up Roosters and go, hey, we on the way back. Don't y'all close up that goddamn kitchen. You keep that fire going because I need 10 Carolina gold. He gets what he gets. We get back into town. We swing by the Roosters. And I had a moment. I got to say I'm proud of myself. I've been working on trying to value myself more. I'm getting my order, letting her know who I was and stuff. She's getting ready to ring me up. This woman walks up and goes, hey, are y'all hiring? And she starts to converse with the woman I was having my transaction with. And I go, hey, excuse me. Can y'all do that later? I was kind of in the middle of a transaction. I was here first, if you don't mind. Thanks. And she was like, you know what? Never mind. And she walked out. But I, I stood up for myself. Any other time, I just would have let it slide. Like, it's not a big deal. She's asking about this. It's like, no, nah, fuck that. I was here first. If you got to ask somebody about some shit about an application, do that after me. You don't just get to skip the line and interrupt me. So that felt good. So Torloy comes back to the hotel. I know it looks weird. Like, who wants to go hang out at a Red Roof Inn? But he comes back, man. We eat our wings. We eat our food. We just talk about comedy and, and like, uh, just, yeah, again, being a dad, uh, just where we get our inspiration and comedy from, what we, what we want to do. And just, you know, just he was just picking my brain about things. And I got to remember, like, hey, man, this was me. That was you 10 years ago. Now, some, now somebody's is is hanging out in your hotel room, asking a million questions. But I don't get mad, man, because people like Vince Morris and Mark Norman and countless others, Colin Quinn, all these people, man, just all right, man. What do you want to know? <laughs> what do you, what, what questions do you have? So it's just I'm I'm just paying it back. Uh, you don't realize how much you know until you, you, you speak to like some of these younger comics and you go, man, I, maybe I do know a little bit. But you also got to know you don't know shit. That's what I tell people. I don't know anything. This is just what I know from comedy. But overall, I don't know shit. I love helping people out. I love people giving people advice. And we had a great time. We just laughed. You know, just, just kind of like just bonded and and just, you know, just slowly becoming friends, man. So uh, shout out to Toy for hanging out. And uh, so he leaves, I go to bed, and I get up Saturday, Sunday, and I got one more show at the Yaddick Comedy Club in Columbus. Now, this is going to be a long day because uh, my boy Henry Allen, the guy who set this show up, funny young comic, check him out too, Columbus dude, he's the guy who set the show up at the, at the, uh, at the Yaddick. He also works with another dude that I know named Adam Little, Adam Little is like a film guy. He he filmed Norman last time we were in town. Cool. He recorded my sets too. They've been working with this uh this dude Mo who owns a uh, tobacco shop called um, Puff Palace, and they've been producing basically a web series. And they go, hey man, you want to be in an episode? We got some unscripted ones. We kind of improved it. We you know, and then we have some stuff that we wrote that was really fun. I'm like, hey man, any opportunity for me to get in front of a camera and learn and do some acting and and learn how to fuck with cameras and, and, and anything to do with production, I'm in. So, uh, I get up Sunday. Adrian comes pick me up. We drive over to the location. Ralph Guerrero is there. Uh, the people who work at the smoke shop who's involved with the web series, they're there. I meet everybody. James is there. The dude who did my headshots, he's there. A couple other, like, crew people are there. Everybody is super cool, super chill. Um... And then in walks Jason Banks. If you don't know who Jason Banks is, uh, another Ohio comic. I'm not going to act like we were best friends, but I knew him coming up in Ohio. Always a funny dude. Always a great dude. During the pandemic, he blew the fuck up. He's now like this huge TikTok star. But let me just say this first. He was a beast as a comic. He was already headlining and shit like that, but he just found another path. And now he's got like almost 10 million on TikTok. His career is dope. And just hadn't seen him in a long time. So down to earth, super cool. To be honest, still surprised that he remembered me. But I got a few scenes with him. He was super chill, man. We just we had a great time. Uh, we were there for about three or four hours uh, filming that. It was it was just a lot of fun, man. Just to, 
to get in and and be part of the product the creative process like i've shot some some sketches and skits before but it was already written stand here deliver these lines do this do that done that but this is like hey man what if we said this maybe if we moved it over here what about this shot what about doing it like this um why are you saying that oh you're saying this because you feel this way about the situation like i felt like i was doing a little bit of directing and stuff like that and i gotta say i had so much fun i hadn't been bitten with a by like by something like that in a long time like the last time i really felt like i was bitten like that was when i first started doing comedy and i got that last sunday at that smoke shop just improving, trying new things throwing stuff out there not being afraid that people going ah, i don't really like that it's just it was it felt good because like projection is a big thing for me but maybe i just felt comfortable around the people that i was uh with i, I don't know what it was but i, I really just kind of sunk, sunk my teeth into it i had a great time man filming filming that with those guys and they said i could come back anytime and i i, I gotta do that i have to make that a thing I know it's a long way to go, but man, I had so much fun, and that that's something else I just want to explore in my career is, you know, getting in front of that camera, being behind that camera, um, and creating things. I had a lot of fun, man. That was a lot of fun. So shout out to Mo, the people at Puff Palace. Thanks, Adam, for allowing me to to be a part of that. And once that comes out, I'll show you guys. Uh, I'll share it. So I'm, I'm excited about that. So we we finished that and. Um, I'm hungry, and we go to Jersey Mike's. It's like right down the plaza, and you're like, "Why are you telling us about Jersey Mike's?" Because I had a classic Ohio moment. I get in there, the guy working there is super happy, just just a fun loving guy. You can just tell, just like talking to customers and shit. And this motherfucker got a big ass pistol on the tip, making my sandwich. And it's just like, yeah, I forgot Ohio is an open carry state. So is Virginia, but where I live at don't see it as much it's just funny to go back to ohio and to see a dude working at jersey mike's with a big ass fucking semi-automatic on his hip and uh you know he had to talk about it so he talked about his gun and look i'm a gun guy i have an ar-15 i own multiple guns i love guns but i don't really consider myself a gun nut i am not this person i'm not a person who walks into a place sees a person with a gun and go i feel safe because I put this on Twitter and people are like, that's the way I like my sandwich made. Did it did it taste better? Yep, that's that's how that's the only way I want my sandwiches done. Best sandwich shop in America. Let me go there. And it's just like I didn't feel any of that at all. No, I didn't feel safer. No, the sandwich didn't taste better. It tastes like a regular motherfucking turkey on provolone. I mean turkey with provolone on wheat. And I say this because, look, I don't, in that situation, I do not feel safer. I don't feel safer in that situation because someone else has a gun. Now, if they were outside checking people's IDs, patting people down, yeah, I would feel safer. But the guy behind the counter making the sandwiches, I mean, by that time, the, the person is inside the shop. If somebody came in with a gun shooting, yes, I will be thankful that somebody had one, but that doesn't mean that. I'm not going to get shot first. I would feel better if I had the gun. I'm not going to be crouched behind a, a, a table I turn over as this dude is going on, on a rampage. Like, thank God the sub shop owner has a gun. I'm like, I want a fucking gun. Because what if he shoot him? No, nobody got a gun. <laughs> but the bad guy. I get what people are saying. But no, if I'm being honest, I didn't feel safer. The sandwich didn't tastes better i walked in noticed the dude had a gun and go oh shit maybe this isn't the best jersey mics to go to maybe this is jersey mike but i love the responses on there people were calling them john sandwick all kind of shit but it was fun uh i didn't have a problem with it but no i don't feel safer with the gun i i am all for people carrying all all well and good that's cool don't have an issue with it, but I'm not going to sit here and act like the shit made my fucking turkey and provolone taste like freedom. It did not. But um, <clears throat> so then, you know, we have lunch uh, and we got a seven o'clock show at the attic. If you haven't heard about the attic in Columbus, check it out. It is a dope club. I was there for 10, 15 minutes and I, I could already tell. I was like, this club is for comics. You could just tell they give a shit about the comics. 
there. Just the way you're taken care of. It's a dope room. It's a nice setup. The food is great. And we had so much fun. Before the show started, I remember Henry Allen's wife, girlfriend going, I think tonight's going to be special. It wasn't the pack. It wasn't a packed room, maybe about 20, 30 people. I think it seats about 80, 90. It is what it is. I'm not a draw, a try, but we had so much fun. And in my mind, I was like, you know what? I don't want this to be a traditional show. So before I asked people, I go, hey, man, y'all want to do shorter sets? And then I can bring people up and y'all can riff, riff, riff with me in the end. And that's what we did. Toilet went up. He did five. That's the host. Adrian went up. He did five. He just wanted to do a guest spot. Henry was uh, featuring. He only did 10. And I go up to close. Not close it out, but I go up and I do 15 by myself. Typically, the show would go about. If it's a three-person show, 10 minutes for the host, five-minute guest spot, 20, 25 for the feature, 45 to 55 for a headliner. I was like, let's scrap that. Everybody's doing short sets. And so after everybody went up individually, I called everybody back up, and it was so much fun. Toyloy was first. Then I brought up Adrian, then Henry. And then uh, Jason Banks was nice enough to grace us with his presence. He was there. I asked him, hey, man, if you want to go up, it's cool. I get it. You work a lot, and you might want to just come to the show and just hang out. But when it was time for him to go on, he came on, and uh, we did about 20, 30 minutes. It was so much fun. We all fucked with the crowd. It it was just it was a special night of comedy. They call it the Chris Allen party, uh, comedy party, and we have to do it again. We will do it again. I don't know when. But I just want to say thank you so much to the Attic Comedy Club. I had such a great time. Ohio is always so good to me. Always great to me. Something dope always happens when I'm back in Ohio. And this time it was the Chris Allen Comedy Party, man. It, we just kind of stumbled upon it. Upon it. it was a lot of fun. Uh, we got it all on video, two angles. Uh, I'm going to get it to my guys. We'll chop it up. And start posting it, but I'm really excited to show y'all uh, what we got. And we didn't even really mean it. It just it just kind of happened. We captured some really, really good, fun moments. Can't wait to do it again. I had a lot of fun, so thank you, Ohio. I appreciate uh, everything you've done for my comedy career. Thanks for listening. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Follow me on all things social media, at Chris Allen Comedy, A-L-A-N. And with that, there's a show, that's a show. I'm out. Peace.